and good morning. Uh, my name is Jürgen Steinmetz, joining you from Livestream.Travel in Honolulu, Hawaii. And um, we're doing this in cooperation with Hawaii News Online and eTurbo News. Today's session will be, um, we'll be dealing with clean air and hotels. So it's going to be quite interesting. Complementary to the session we just finished about brand loyalty. So I think there's a it's very good to have this um, after our loyalty event because you, you want to be loyal to brands that also are responsible when it comes to clean air. Now, um, host of this uh, session is World Tourism Network. As you all know, uh, we're not a member of World Tourism Network, yet our organization started almost exactly a year ago. We're actually going to be, don't really want to use this word celebrating, but we're going to remember our um, start on March 5th in Berlin at the Grand Hyatt Hotel on the sideline of the ITB trade show. ITB trade show never took place, but our initial event and starting the rebuilding.travel discussion did. In the meantime, we grew to members in 127 countries and a World Tourism Network is the structured format really out, out of the ongoing rebuilding.travel network. If you're not yet a member for uh, World Tourism Network, simply go to WTN.travel. If you cannot remember WTN, we're also at worldtourismnetwork.org, either way, and sign up. Uh, we'd, we'd love to have you either as a member or as a, a free observer, so we can invite you to upcoming live events and you can be part of this discussion. We have many interest groups uh, for experts in, in various fields and we welcome you to uh, be a, a part of any interest group. I want to recognize actually Professor Snow White, I call her, in Serbia. Uh, welcome. And she actually runs our educational interest group. So you will hear more about uh, what the educational group is doing also at our event on March 5th. Also, before we get started, wanted to remind you we have two more exciting events coming up in, Feb in February. And this is only two days left. Uh, tomorrow, we're going to hear from our interest group for WTN about wedding and honeymoons. And it's an event what is um, very interesting to attend. Uh, so don't miss this. You can still sign up at worldtourismevents.com. And then uh, the next day on Sunday, we'll be going to Africa and we're going to have our uh, greeting session where Africa greets the rest of the world together with the African Tourism Board and Cuthbert Nikubi. That's going to be on Sunday. And then we're getting into the two month, into the next month and are ready for our March 5th um, anniversary for the rebuilding.travel. Without further delay, and before we, maybe Peter can introduce our, our guest. Um, I wanted to give the microphone to my co-host, uh, Peter Tarlow. He's joining us as always in Texas. I don't want to ask him how the weather is. We always do this, but it's too early, you know. I guess it's late. It's already afternoon where you are. But anyways, Peter, hello. <laughs> Unmute myself. There I go. Um, yeah, no, the weather is a little, it's, it's good here. So not, not much to discuss. But I do think we have really important topics to discuss, um, more than the Texas weather, which last week made more news than it ought to have. But um, the whole issue of pure air in people's hotel rooms or in um, conference centers or wherever people gather. And uh, this is really an essential part of tourism security. We tend to take it for granted, but it really should not be taken for granted um, because without pure air, everything else falls apart. People certainly, they get sick, they can't breathe, they don't want to come back. So I have behind me as a background today, it looks like a forest fire from um, California. And I did that on purpose because I wanted people to, again, emphasize the importance of clean air. And without that, tourism really cannot go through. We're seeing this, uh, the issues in airplanes, where they're talking about new filter systems. We're seeing this in the need for hotels, for conferences, for schools, one of the big issues that's now facing many parts of the world since COVID has come through is do you have proper air filtration systems 
in the public schools or in any school building. It doesn't have to be public, it could be public or private. But all these are interlocked and they're one of the building blocks of life. So we need to have pure food, pure water, pure air, and without that, nothing else goes forward. So today our speaker, um, Alan uh, Wozniak, I hope I got your last name correct uh, there, um, is going to uh, begin to present to us all of the needs of what his company is doing and the science behind the need for pure air. And um, that will lead into hopefully a really good discussion about the interaction between tourism and um, uh, good, breathable, healthy air. So Alan, the floor is yours. Make sure you unmute yourself. Perfect. By the way, uh, speaking of tourism, uh, I'm from the Tampa Bay area, which has many beaches along its uh, shore. And we were rated by the, I'm not sure what tourism group, but we were rated the number one beach in the world. Second was, I think, Honolulu, uh, Jurgen, uh, where you're from. So yeah, it, the tourism is big, and and that was heavily promoted. And obviously, being in the uh, in this region, we got we got chosen as a um, as one of the top beaches. But Jurgen, uh, thank you very much for inviting me to this broadcast. I'm going to start with uh, this was a news update recently by Honeywell, um, and Honeywell stated that. The results, this is a global um, survey that was done. Uh, the global study on workers' perception and feelings on health and safety of their workplace, which includes hotels and airports and buildings. Uh, the findings, it was a 2020 building occupant survey report uh, that showed a staggering majority of the US workforce, 71%, does not feel completely safe in their employees' buildings. Uh, they wanted to say that the number is even higher for those working remotely, 82%, uh, who are especially skeptical about the safety of work sites. In fact, nearly three in 10 remote workers, 29%, would look for a new job rather than to a site that they did not implement necessary safety measures. So that's staggering. I mean, that kind of statistical data, people going back to the workforce uh, is is critical and and how how do you obtain uh, good indoor quality? You have to start with defining what is good indoor quality and how can we as an environmental consulting firm or anybody um, convince those that are going back to their buildings or hotels, their office spaces, and so forth feel comfortable and confident that the building is safe and I. I allude to a, a analogy, which is a medical one, that if you or I or anybody went to, weren't feeling well, the first thing we would do would be to visit our doctor. The doctor would go through a battery of questions. He would go, or she would go through a battery of tests to find what the problem is and where the hurts are and then provide a prescriptive recommendation on how to get better. And that's a standard that's done millions of times a day across the globe. Unfortunately, in this pandemic, what happens is oftentimes most companies, they don't understand the dynamics of the building and what makes it sick or COVID issues. And they throw basically products and in, in chemicals and other types of solutions at the building. And, I, and I've asked contractors, well, how do you know what you do is in fact working and working effectively? And they, you know, they, they hesitate for a few seconds and, ah, well, the light's working. And I'll rephrase the question and said, no, no, no. How do you know that what you are doing to the building, which is you're, you're telling them that you're improving the indoor quality, how do you know that it's working and clearing the air? Same blank you know, face uh, that they have and they don't have an answer. Um, so we're in a knee jerk 
reaction to COVID today and many facilities that um, are buying things that don't know why they're doing what they're doing. And they're buying the what, meaning the product. And quite frankly, it may or may not do what they're doing. In fact, it, it could be a Band-Aid on a hemorrhaging condition. We have some clients today where because of the COVID, they've modified the ventilation system in their buildings or universities or office buildings, their courthouses, and they added more outdoor air. Well, the unit, the, the HVAC system wasn't designed to remove the latent moisture that, was, that they're asking it to do. Subsequently, weeks and months later, they're finding a microbial nightmare inside the building with mold on chairs, on walls, on doors, on furniture, et cetera. So a lot of, a lot of the issues that we're faced with need to be effectively diagnosed. And, and using the analogy of the doctor, we would be very apprehensive if we went to that same doctor and he says, hey, Jurgen, I know what's wrong with you. Let's, without asking any questions, without taking any tests, and said, let's go, I'm gonna perform surgery now. You would say, well, well, time out. What's wrong with me? Where's my questions? Where's my battery of tests? And you would run out of that office as fast as you could, right? That, that would be a normal response. And that would be a form of malpractice. In the case of, of, the case of indoor air quality, our suggestion as a, as a consulting firm is to first diagnose the building like one would a patient. Understand what is good indoor quality, understand what the baseline conditions are. Once those baseline conditions are developed, whether it's a hospital, a school, a hotel, whatever the condition is, then one can provide a prescriptive recommendation as to how to get better. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. That's absolutely typical medicine that you would want to do. So what you're basically arguing is that you are presenting yourself as doctors of air quality. Um, right. That's a nice way to do it. And I, I do want to emphasize when you use the word indoor, you're talking about indoor air, in indoor uh, ventilation. Absolutely. Because, indoor, yep. Yeah. I wanted to make sure everybody understood that you're referring to air quality indoors versus air quality out of doors. Absolutely, big big difference. In fact, um, people people will say, "Well, let's go outside and get a breath of fresh air." That's a misnomer, and the reason why um, we have pollen, we have uh, insect mitotritis, we have fibers, we have um, uh, pollen throughout the environment, mold spores, <clears throat> and when when we as a consulting firm, we will inevitably take an outdoor sample in each of the studies that we've done, uh, which we've done over 12,000 studies across the country covering over 800 million square feet. So we've done a lot. And the outdoor air will be about 100 times worse than the indoor air. Yeah. And, and you say, well, why is that? How is that? Well, think about it. We are conditioning and filtering the indoor air. We don't condition and filter the outdoor air. So subsequently- about, uh, when, yeah. when, when they have very high problems in the air, you will be told during areas of smog or pollution, please stay indoors, don't go outdoors. Older people or young children shouldn't go outdoors. Perfect example, we all know, most weather forecasts today give you air quality outside also, which means that there are problems. Absolutely, and that's that's a great point. That that uh, we have outdoor pollution uh, studies all across the world, and it's been re it's being reported every day as to high pollutant, high pollen, uh, high particulate PM two point five. But we're not being told what the indoor air quotient is of indoor environments, and it's critical the fact that we breathe you know, thousands of gallons of air a day per person. That's a huge amount of air that we are breathing, whether it's good air or bad air. So if you convert this to the COVID uh, threat right now, 
you'd say you can you can make the air um, more desirable for someone to be indoors than outdoors? Absolutely. Um, and it starts with a baseline. You have to understand where are we today? Uh, you know, what is the condition uh, of the indoor environment today? And that includes a number of different assays, meaning uh, your, your microbial, your bacterial, your mycology, which is your fungi. Uh, your your um, particulate, your PM 2.5, PM 10, one micron, 3.3 microns, your VOCs, your temperature, your humidity. And with all those, there's a lot of thousands of other constituents that constitute the indoor environment, the indoor air quality environment. So understanding first what the baseline conditions are gives us a, like a doctor would a patient, he, he takes a blood sample and he's going to compare us to what's considered to be normal, right? That's, you have a, you have a HDLs, your LDLs, your triglycerides, et cetera, and we're compared to what's considered to be normal. And that's what we want to push towards. We want to push towards a good indoor quality condition, not a bad indoor quality and not a pristine one, because quite frankly, Zero mold doesn't exist within a building, whether it's a hotel, a hospital, a university building, your homes, uh, it does not exist. It's everywhere. It's the, it's the level of contaminant and the type of contaminant that would be of concern, and one of which is the COVID. Uh, today, uh, many labs, including ours, in fact, I think, I think our lab was the first lab to provide that, but we provide uh, sampling for COVID-19 in the air, as well as surfaces via an RNA uh, PCR method. Um, so we can provide clearance of a building, health, hotel, hospital, whatever the case is, for the client so that they feel there's an, a degree of high confidence that they are uh, that they have a somewhat of a COVID-free environment and not they're not running around with a potential issue. Uh, so, and we typically will, will, will evac evaluate the touch points of that, of that building, the most common, as well as the air. Um, recently, a study was done at University of Oregon in a hospital, and it was the, the COVID-19 virus was isolated in 25% of the samples in the hospital HVAC system. Well, why, you ask, how does it get there? Well, its molecular size is small in the 0.3 and smaller microns. It literally went into, through the ventilation system, through a circulation. We design as mechanical engineers, we design HVAC systems to change the air four to six times an hour. Well, a small molecular size particle, that's going to become airborne and recirculate and isolate within the ventilation system. So, you know, it, we put these in the somewhat um, lay terms or tourism terms. It sounds to me like really two areas that it's important for you to be working in, or I'm sure you are working in, is one, the ventilation systems within large buildings, such as right. hotels or apartments, et cetera. And two, some way of filtering it so that if someone has COVID on one floor of an apartment building, and sneezes, that doesn't go into their ventilation system and then infect the entire building, you know, one way or the other. How, how do you help a hotel? Tell us a little bit about, you know, if I were this big hotel and I had 500 rooms or 1,000 rooms, how, tell us about the process. How would you start? So here I am. I know nothing. I know that I have to protect my guests. And there I am. And I call uh, you in. Great, great question. And our, our first response, <clears throat> which is the first response, is to uh, recommend a, a baseline study, evaluate the indoor air quality. And the reason we would want to do that primarily is we, we want to make sure we're not going in and trying to address a singular event, meaning a COVID, and have a hemorrhaging condition at our, in our hands, and we've only addressed the COVID. Uh, an example, there was excuse me, a dormitory that we went into, actually addressed the issue, found some significant concerns, building envelope-wise, HVAC, 
um, uh, the, the indoor quality conditions were, were less than acceptable. Though the university decided to just put in some portable air purifiers, and that's obviously at their discretion. So in our, so, you know, our, our situation was, you know, you've got a hemorrhaging condition here. You need not just to put a Band-Aid on it. Let's look at it as a more holistic approach. And we get a call two months later, and guess what? Two, uh, two or three of the students came down with a, a, uh, a microbial lung infection, and they needed to, in an emergency, which cost them more, fix the problem that, that was there. So, Alan, I'm just taking it at a very simple level. It sounds to me, but listening to you, what really large buildings such as hotels or public buildings need to do is have you come in before there's a problem. Right. So that you have a, a, a baseline prior, just like when people come in the world of medicine, the doctor really wants to see you when you're well, not when you're sick. Because right. when you're well, that gives the baseline to know what's wrong and begin the diagnosis. So it sounds like using that medical analogy, the first thing we want to think about is having you come in or whomever for a, um, a, 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 a yearly checkup, a yearly inspection before there's a problem. Then afterwards, have you come in to try to diagnose that problem and then from there come up with solutions on how to fix the problem but not make matters worse because that could be the other side. When you're trying to fix one problem, you may end up with another problem. Is my simplification of your world make any sense? Yeah, no, absolutely, it's spot on. Um, in 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 the case, if to get into the the um, corrective features, obviously we would start with a a baseline to determine it, like the doctor would the patient what their baseline conditions are before a prescriptive recommendation. But some of the prescriptive recommendations could, could look like, like this. For example, um, you wanna first, if they're there, you wanna neutralize pathogens. Uh, second, you wanna use um, proper effective purification technologies. Um, quite frankly, there are thousands and thousands of new technologies that are out there that are totally unproven but unproven. you look unproven unproven and though the, the brochures that they use to market themselves will show you that it does covid you know removal it does help of this and this and they're it's totally bogus um right now there's such a wave i call it the wild wild west of indoor air quality there's so much out there uh, that it's it's to the to the layperson it's totally confusing. We we as a consulting firm have consulted to uh, uh, hotels and school districts and whatnot to to dummy it down because they're so overwhelmed with so many things and products. Um, and there are a lot of good products. There are a lot of bad products. In fact, we have a unique advantage. <clears throat> we have a a lab in house and a chamber, and that chamber testing. Uh, we actually have clients send their product to us to perform what's called an efficacy study. And we inoculate the room with known pathogens and allergens and particulate. And we determine what the, what the kill rate is in time of that particular product. And it doesn't kill what it says it does. Uh, so we, we're, we're super, we've been super busy in that side as well. But the use of, of quality Air purification, air purification technology is critical. And there's many things like HEPA filtration. <clears throat> there's um, needlepoint bipolar ionization. There's um, <clears throat> charcoal filtration. There's um, uh, antimicrobics that, will, that are used in, and um, electrostatic precipitators. There's just a lot of different types. But like a doctor, in a patient, he's gonna, the doctor's gonna prescribe a specific solution. <clears throat> and not all, not all air purifiers are going to be the best fit for that particular client. So again, I think you hit a, an important point that maybe needs just a little bit of clarification for the layman. Mm -hmm. And that is that you listed all these various techniques that can be used. Now, if somebody came up to me and said, 
do you want to use charcoal filtration or this filtration and that filtration? I would kind of look at them dumbfounded because I really don't know the advantages and disadvantages. So maybe for the audience, it would be helpful if you could just mention one or two of them and then simply say, this has this advantage or this disadvantage or the cost is you don't get your money's worth for the cost or, or it filters this type of air, you know, pollution from forest fires, but it doesn't do a good job with COVID or, or whatever it happens to be. But, you know, kind of give us an, an overview of the uh, what we call filtration for dummies, you know, in other words, make it easy for people to understand what you're saying. Well, a good point. Um, three of the main ones that you will see uh, quite often, and again, there's so much variation with each of the three, but one is HEPA filtration. We we probably have all known what HEPA filtration is. That's the the highest level filtration one can purchase, though. If you were a homeowner or a, a hotel or a business owner, the, the air purification unit would, you would have to have it mechanically designed effectively because it's so dense. I mean, you're talking about a 12 inch filter that has thousands of square feet of filter surface area that will restrict the airflow going in the building. So, if, you know, you, you you may have put that in, but it's going to cause a secondary problem, and you're going to be burning out motors uh, very at a rapid pace. So there's a cause-effect relationship. <clears throat> there are a lot of good HEPA filters in, in many products that uh, are extremely useful, but you have to make sure that they are true HEPA filters. Another one <clears throat> is needlepoint bipolar ionization. Um, basically, that's a lot of words. Yeah, needlepoint bipolar ionization, uh, NBPPI. And what that is, is basically it's just shooting uh, naturally. If you, were, if you were in the mountains, the normal level of, of um, ions in the air, positive and negative, would be about 1,000. As you get closer to the city, you might be in the, in the four to 500. As you get into a building, you may be you know, 5, 10 or, or less. And ions are good because they're produced, they're they're attacking any pollutants that are in the atmosphere. So what the the objective with needlepoint bipolar is to produce them naturally um, in a or unnaturally in an electric field uh, within a a a, a, a box, uh, air purification box, or using the air handler as the the air conveyance mechanism. And to produce those in large quantities, literally in the millions of ions. And because the, the pollutant level in buildings are so significant that you want a lot of ions. And ions don't last. They last for 15 seconds and they'll either attack something and, and, and move it on or kill it, or they'll, they'll, they'll pass on, they'll, they'll die. <clears throat> so the, the needle point is very good, but again, it has its limitations. <clears throat> like HEPA does. Uh, and and to, to be frank, there's no silver bullet. There's just not one product that's going to solve all your mm -hmm. issues. Um, and, the, and the third one, um, and technology-wise, you know, again, you got your HEPA, your, your bipolar ionization, and uh, I'm trying to think, I lost my train of thought on the third one. But those are your two primary uh, purification devices that will be very helpful to building owners. But again, if you do just that and you install these in an air purification device, the the difficulty is you don't know that you're providing clean air yet. Uh, an example, excuse me, if you have a ventilation system that is extremely dirty and we are unfortunately in a deferred maintenance, 20 year deferred maintenance environment. Quite, it, it's, it's bad. I mean, it, it, we've been in buildings and hospitals and schools and hotels that, you know, they just haven't, they, 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 they just haven't because of not anybody's fault, but just because it didn't exist. And so if you have a ventilation system that's super dirty and is moving air four times an hour, four, six times an hour within the building, that air purifier you got in the corner of your room is doing very little good 
to fix the problem. It, it'd be like taking aspirin for cancer. It's not gonna work. And, or it'll be limited, it might be a limited value in a short period of time. So those are things that the technology with air purification systems um, are, are very critical to producing a good indoor environment. The other uh, it, we just touched upon is the hygienic cleaning of ventilation systems. Um, again, notorious for not being maintained. It, it, I, I, it, we're, we're dealing with so many buildings. I mean, think about what we've done, 12,000 buildings over that in, in the last 36 years, over 800 million square feet that's a boatload of buildings and we have firsthand experience, what I term being in the bowels of the building. <clears throat> and we see what's going on and, and, it, and it's not a pretty sight, uh, quite frankly. So those, that's why we, we really you know, uh, focus with our clients on addressing the, the real problem and not just trying to surficially treat it and not knowing what you're doing and why you do what you do kind of thing. Yeah, and most of those, of course, this is a very uh, unknown territory for most of us. Uh, usually the average person knows in your home, you change the filter for your air conditioning once a month, and that's what they know. Um, so if someone were coming up to you, what would be three wise questions that a person could ask an expert like you? that would make sense and be understandable. Um, are we referring to more on the hospitality side or? Let's talk about hospitality because this is a, uh, we broadcast toward the world of hospitality. So I'm a hotel owner, a restaurant owner, or an amusement park owner, whatever it happens to be. I own a, a convention center and I call you in and I say, I don't know, but I think there's something wrong, but I don't know what, you know, what questions would you hope that I would ask you? Um, if I understand the question correctly, um, I, the, the, the questions I would ask is what have you done? I, you, if I'm the, the person coming into the business and I, I want to know what you have you done to, to better the indoor quality. Is, is that the, I know how about the other way around? In other words, you're coming, you're going to talk with me. I'm the owner of the hotel or the restaurant. And I say to you, um, sir, I, I think we should have you here. But quite honestly, I don't know what to say. I, I, you know, if you were my guide, you were my uh, person whispering in my ear, what questions would you whisper into my ear that I should ask an expert like you? Well, in, in order to, uh, obviously the, the key factor would be you know, are you concerned uh, with the, the existing condition of your facilities? Um, what steps have you taken in order to uh, provide the assurity to your guests that you are providing high quality indoor air? Um, what, uh, what mechanisms are being procured to, to um, manage the indoor quality over time and not just today or last week or you know last month but today and yesterday today and and tomorrow so those would be some of the the questions i would you know uh, you know be asking the 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 business as to what are you doing you know today that's going to make an effect on the on the building because at the end of the day, today in today's society, what's happened if we don't adhere to new standards of practice? And, and I say, you know, there was a standard of care yesterday, and post COVID, there's a new standard of care that's changing almost daily, as you can see with CDC protocols and others. But at the end of the day, what's going to happen is the result will be litigation risks because the the question is what have you done to provide a safe working condition and if you don't have clear concise specific answers 
of protocols as to what you have done, then the potential cost of litigation or potential of lawsuits happening are extremely good. I, I believe this is going to be the, you know, the next, you know, ambulance chasers of, you know, the legal profession. Um, it's low hanging fruit. No. And yeah. No, and that's a, that's a definitely a very good point. But I'm wondering if you see it, of course, you, you laid out um, if you were a hotel owner or you own a building, um, you know, there are options. What about um, someone who lives in a building, someone who has a timeshare, or even I live in an apartment building and God knows what the owner association is doing, you know, in regards to air quality. How can I protect my closed environment? Are these regular air pure? Is it, is it a good idea or is it something what doesn't make sense or uh, are there solutions on both spectrums like um, as an apartment um, occupant or a hotel room occupant when you travel there's something you should buy and I, I saw this mobile type of air purifiers on the market before yeah good good question Jurgen. Um, a building um, is very similar to a home um, it's conditioned, it's, it's uh, filtered, it's, it has four walls, a roof, um, just so the conditions are a little bit different, one's being worked in and one's being lived in. The end of the day, the indoor quality uh, is the biggest concern. And how do you achieve that in a, in a, in a residential unit or a, uh, in this case would be similar, would be a, a hotel room condition. Um, I would start with looking at the ventilation system, uh, seeing how that's operating. Is the unit running optimally? Uh, rather than throwing in an air purifier, which you know may help, you don't know, um, but start with the HVAC system and its operation. If it's not running well, you're gonna have microbial issues that you don't want that, are, that, that will make uh, COVID sound like, um, you know, like it's nothing. So you want to you want to make sure that your ventilation system is running a running well. Number one is environmentally clean, hygienically, um, and the second one would be look what can I do to augment my my HVAC system to increase the the um, uh, the filtration uh, of the unit. And there's ways to do that with added filtration at the central unit. Uh, there's that you can't put a HEPA filtration in, but you can put in uh, other devices that would be a, effective. Um, and then going into the building, the home, <clears throat> looking at potential purification devices that are effective in removing uh, known pathogens, uh, known uh, viruses, and so forth. Uh, and then potentially a, a, an effective topical cleaning method that one is um, using on a routine basis to make sure that the touchable surfaces within the home uh, room environment uh, are being uh, kept in, a, in an effective way. So Alan, but I, I'm coming just to hotel for one day. So I can't check their ventilation system. True. Um, and I don't even know where it is. Uh, I, I bought a hotel room. I'm staying there one night. Let's assume you're staying in a hotel for one night. What do you do? Not, not well, you I, I, I would ask when I'm, when I'm booking my room, I would ask the, uh, the, you know, before I book a room, cause I've been in, and, and I'm sure y'all have been the same thing. I've gone to hotels that I walk in and these are high end, you know, two or I'm three, four star hotels, five star. <clears throat> and I, I get my key, I go to my room and I, I'm, I take a deep breath and it smells musty. And I go, okay, maybe it's just coincidence. I walk around and know this is a musty room. I call down, you know, you know, I'm sorry, but the room's musty. I didn't get me another room. And they get me another room. It smells musty. You know, I've, I've been in, in some hotels where I've literally had to leave, go to another hotel because it was systemic, a systemic problem within the hotel. In the COVID condition, what I would ask is, <clears throat> what are your 
best practices to maintain a COVID-free environment. For example, you know, what records are you posting? Do you do distancing? Are you masking? Is there hand sanitization stations? Is there uh, traffic flow um, portions? Is there plexiglass dividers uh, stations at the front desk, the restaurants, the concierge? <clears throat> are there temperature screening stations that we can monitor ourselves walking into the establishment? Um, can I check in virtually? Um, I, you know, I, I want to. I don't want to, you know, give people my credit cards. I want to be able to walk in. Um, and then, what type of technology are you are you using, Mister Hotel, <clears throat> to assure of good indoor quality, and and let them share with me what they've done. Um, a lack of enhanced pre cleaning protocols um, uh, is is a concern. A lack of adoption by a association uh, for a safe stay protocol is another example. Another issue would be um, if I were to walk in when there are dusty floors and walls. Obviously, housekeeping is is not um, at its maximum. Um, and topical cleaning plan. You know, so those are a series of questions that I would ask in advance. So I know it's it's it would be an unusual conversation maybe with with the uh, uh, the concierge or the front desk, but it's one that we need to ask today. You know, in these worlds, uh, you have to ask it, you're right? You have to. Yeah, yeah. you're going to do. Uh, any of our listeners have questions they want to ask? Uh, yeah, just please raise the hand. You know, your hand. Uh, no problem. We'd be happy to give you the microphone. Um, is somebody raising their hand? I just wanted to share something. Go ahead. Yeah. So I, uh, as a in my role as facilities director, and also I'm an energy consultant and sustainable operation for uh, buildings. Uh, I just would like to share my experience because uh, I think with everything else, with, especially within the COVID time, yeah, we have to look into a holistic approach. There is not a hundred percent safety from HVAC system. Is not a hundred percent safety with masks, and because not everybody is doing that, buildings are not well maintained. We all know that, yeah. So there, there was already a lack of uh, really keeping the buildings up to date yeah and with the maintenance and the investment that is needed so that that was a lack that was before so we cannot catch up and make everything 100 percent really uh safe for people just from one point of view yeah so it is a holistic um, subject that we have to address and there is no hundred safe hundred percent safety in any area what I think, though, uh, for future, we need to do is uh, really um, being prepared to continue with with the same uh, holistic approach. So one, when I address my HVAC, doesn't mean that I can now don't wash my hands or don't, don't wear the mask or don't do the social distancing. And of course, uh, the self-awareness, because the people's behavior is in every area that we are in. If it's the mechanical engineering part of the building, if it's how they entered the building, how you want to flow the people in or out of the building. Yeah. And a lot of times is also uh, um, the, the, that is why the decrease of uh, uh, the amount of people coming in and out of the building is also something that is very important. And I think by opening slower we are thinking more long term in order to really keep the operations going maybe at a lower level of profit yeah but then on a safer level so that i think that is also something that um we need to understand because you cannot make uh, air conditioning so safe without air exchange so or airflow so that is that cannot happen yeah so you can use the best filters but then you are basically slowing down the uh, air transport and the air exchange between uh, the outside and uh, indoor and outdoor air yeah so these are things I, I, um, and it's sometimes I can from my experience um, 
it's a kind of also uh, shifting responsibilities. Who did that or who does that? But I, we have to understand that there is really not only one solution. There are a lot of solutions, and nothing is really uh, will be hundred percent safe. So I think that is, uh, and we we really have to continue doing all of the aspects that we are doing for probably another year, so that everybody, and especially for tourism, I think as we are uh, seeing that hotels are opening and uh, travels are going forth and back but the vaccination is not even uh, at a 20% worldwide. Yeah, so that that's a concern, yeah. So I think this, this is something that we all have to um, really look in all areas and make sure that we continue doing what we started with, yeah. And uh, embrace the changes and improvements. <laughs> No, definitely, um, Gisa, some good points. Just um, uh, Gisa has been on a lot of our events and thank you for that. She's actually based here in Hawaii. And I think you, you're running a consulting um, operation for global energy, um, clean energy and so forth. I see global citizens, right? In, uh, Correct, yes, yeah. So yeah, uh, thank you for that. I'm, I'm just wondering, you know, when you look through hotel brochures, for example, you see several rating systems why a hotel is five star or why a hotel is four star or two star. Do you think it'll be a good idea to add a rating system or is there a rating system when it comes to air quality a hotel could adopt? So it's not only in saying, okay, we're a five star hotel because of our service, but we're a five star or a three star hotel because of the air quality. Is there any, are there any global standards or national standards hotels could adopt? That's a, that's a great point. And, and just to go back to a little bit to Gisha's statement, um, yeah, holistic approach to indoor quality is critical. Um, that's our, we've been, our, our sort of our mantra over the, over the years has been a threefold uh, stool that is, that, that it discusses energy, comfort, and health. And all three are critical because if you focus on any one of the three, uh, they, they tend to be, they, they may fail. So, you know, looking at that as a, as a, a holistic approach is, is what we uh, advise our customers all the time. And then yes, lowering occupancy is good. Uh, we're, we're not too far from Walt Disney World. And they've taken that advice of, you know, 20%, 25% as have done large uh, stadiums, um, the Super Bowl is an example. Oh, by the way, we won the Super Bowl this year. Um, <laughs> <laughs> thank you very much. Um, and, uh, <laughs> and uh, but yes, the- How was the, the air quality of the Super Bowl? The air quality, uh, we were involved in that. We, we watched it like everybody else did, but um, actually I was, I was there, but my daughter had bought me one of those little placards of just my face. So I, I was somewhere in the building. I don't know where, but from that point of view, it was good. I, you know, I, I survived it, I guess. I might be in the, I may be in the dumpster right now. Um, uh, but the, the, um, to answer your question, Jurgen, uh, there are ratings um, and it's being developed as we speak. Sorry. Oh, but um, they, they are ratings and the way, the best way in, in the, in 10 years ago or five years ago, the only way we could really give you a, a continuous rating, an effective one would be to study the building every month. And that's expensive, um, you know, doing your, your baseline studies. Today though, <clears throat> uh, we have devices that one is uh, called the IQ Guard that is installed in the building that manages temperature, humidity, CO2, VOCs, PM 2.5, PM 10, uh, 0.3 microns, formaldehyde, and, and a number of others. So that's a real-time, every five-second monitoring device. And what that does, there are some organizations like Reset and some others, uh, Well-Building Institute, that they're coming up with, with, with ratings system that they're suggesting take that data and put it on the front you know, a, a kiosk, if you will, and let people know that you are in a good indoor air quality building. 
that's a good way to manage that, but you have to monitor it. And you'll, you heard the old cliche, you can't manage what you can't measure. Uh, this is true today than it's ever been. Now, is there, um, and, and this is a very good point, and I think uh, every hotel um, should consider getting such, such a system. But I'm, I'm wondering, um, is there a questionnaire? Let's say we have the safari operator in, in Africa watching us, or um, you know, someone who may have an, an, a really difficulties to get this system in, but is there a questionnaire you could, uh, or anyone could provide that uh, would kind of indicate what a hotel is doing or not doing in order to keep the air clean? Uh, in in the future, yes, but you'd have to you'd have to be monitoring it. And that's something actually. That's a good, really good point. Uh, um, and to Gisa's point, that being able to go online, you're 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 going to evaluate uh, what hotel you want to go to, and if they have this, uh, if you will, clean house, you know, seal of approval, look to it. But it's in a you know a green, yellow, red kind of uh, condition. And if that, if that um, kiosk is sharing with us, the summary of all the environmental pollutants shows that it's well below the normal, then that, that building would have a nice, uh, you know, clean bill of health kind of uh, environment. We do this today with our buildings, with nursing homes, um, fitness centers, office buildings, uh, churches, <clears throat> where we literally will provide a, a certification that, that goes onto their door along with a placard that shows, here's the things we've communicated to those people going into the building. Here's the things that the, the facility has done to enhance the indoor quality, to protect the building occupants from COVID and other environmental potential hazards. And that's a good thing to help manage and measure and provide results that show that the indoor environment is being maintained and in, in an effective way. And not just throwing a air purifier in the corner and, oh, that's what, you know, we're doing something, you know, that doesn't, uh, today that doesn't cut it. You know, I think this is an important point and maybe I'm um, without Professor Snow White in Serbia who runs our educational uh, group um, to think about adding um, this type of subject to, uh, to our reach out uh, for education, to, ed to educate people in the hospitality industry, anyone um, who has, you know, to deal with indoor activities to be aware of it. Don't you think so, Professor Snow White? Yes, I think that this is very, very important subject and people don't know much about it, really, because especially in this uh, Nowadays, I can say when we are uh, always thinking about the COVID and as you said, uh, uh, going out for a fresh air, but actually out is not a fresh air. I think that this is a, a very good uh, subject for the educational uh, purpose, uh, not only for the hotel industry, but also for tour operators, travel agencies, and for the students at the universities, because I'm not sure that we have any kind of a subject which is connected with this uh, uh, special uh, problems. Uh, we have something restaurants. about restaurants. the climate, uh, you know, about uh, uh, sun rising, sun falling, but about the pollution of the air at the tourist uh, uh, universities for tourism, college of tourism, we don't have many uh, subjects we are dealing, which are dealing with this uh, problem. So I think that this, this uh, will be a very, uh, uh, what I can say, it is a very good idea to have this subject uh, on our educational purposes. Yeah, maybe yeah that the, would be excellent, yeah. yeah. There's a linkage uh, with Alan, I don't know if, if Alan, uh, it would be joining WTN, but there would be a good linkage uh, for educational outreach for the hospitality group, um, you know, and then many of our, our members that are working within the hospitality group, whether it's hotel, restaurants, and so forth, to know. 
Uh, and thank you for um, attending, Professor Snow. I know it's like 9.25 in the evening where you are. Right now, or 10.25. Yes, something like that. But it's okay. That I just start working. Uh, uh, some typing some book, uh, one book, and it's okay for me. I will continue working all evening. <laughs> and and, and uh, fresh air outside because you have a lot of snow there, right? In in Serbia, right? Uh, now? Not now, believe me or not. Uh, uh, it, it was plus 18 today. Oh. Normally for February, uh, here in uh, Serbia is minus 15, but today oh we have plus 15. It's like a spring. So, Professor, last week in Texas, we had Serbian weather, and this week oh, you're see. having Texas weather. So, yes, I, we have a Texas weather. We send it to you, and you send it to us. Yeah, I, to be quite honest, I think most people here would rather have plus 17 than minus 17. So I most believe so. Yeah, most I people believe. in Texas don't like cold. So uh, <laughs> we're all for global warming. Normally, normally winter starts here about, I mean, a lot of snow starts in November, middle of November, until the end of February. It is normal weather, but uh, uh, last year and this year we had, let's say, only in the mountains, yes, we had a, a lot of snow, which was very good for ski season, uh, but in the cities, just maybe 20 days of snow, that was all. Oh, it's too much. Uh, we had the other way around. It's normally about 20 degrees Celsius all winter long. And the last two years, it's gone down as low as 17 below uh, zero. So, wow. Wow. so it's been too cold here, but luckily the cold has gone away and it's now about 20 degrees Celsius or about 80 to 70 degrees uh, Fahrenheit. Ups, ups the air quality. And so we thank Alan. Yeah, I <laughs> knows, and I'm looking at Alamoana Beach Park here in Honolulu, one of our um, second largest beach parks in the Waikiki area, and a lot of people in the water, a lot of sailing boats out there. <laughs> <laughs> go, go ahead, rub it in, rub it in. <laughs> well, I think, yeah, we, we have not so much concern with air pollution in the middle of ocean, yeah, so <laughs> we have no manufacturing, we have nothing, so I think that that is, uh, we, Beside them, maybe sometimes the Kona winds bringing the if the volcano is active, I think we're fine here. <laughs> <laughs> is that a, was that a volcano? To... Was that a volcano I heard, or was that water? Well, the volcano is on a different island. We we are luckily we have um, Diamond's Head, but it's a dead volcano for the last don't know hundred hundred thousand a million years. Uh, <laughs> so we're lucky here, so we don't have an active uh, volcano here. Oh, good. It's better not to. They're, they're actually not <laughs> yes. fun. Uh, and nor are they good for air pollution. I'm going to have to uh, say goodbye to everybody. I, I want to wish everybody a really wonderful weekend. And um, I want to thank Alan for a really interesting topic about which most of us have no idea. And so this was really going into a new territory for many of us and learning things that we most of us think, well, the good air quality and bad air quality, that's about it. And you really open the door for all sorts of new information and for really ideas for us to think about. And yes, I agree with the professor that um, in the academic world, we never teach about this in um, tourism courses in universities, and yet they are important. I'm thinking about how many smells and issues must take place in restaurants. And uh, how do we keep, uh, once upon a time, we divided restaurants into smoking and non-smoking. Uh, and that was it. Oh, yeah. That was the totality of our ability to distinguish. And uh, wow, you know, the world has changed radically. And so it's not just, and I want to emphasize that it's not just an issue of COVID. It's an issue of secondhand smoke or, th or thirdhand smoke. It's filtration from all sorts of other uh, COVID um, uh, diseases, including the common cold, which is highly spreadable by just one person sneezing. Uh, and uh, these are all, all issues that touch every part of the tourism industry. So Alan, thank you for um, really a very insightful uh, presentation. You're, you're very welcome. Thanks for having me.
Thank you. Thank you for putting up with bye bye. And I know Jurgen's going to continue the conversation. Okay. Yeah, and we're pretty much. Thanks, we're, Peter. Uh, we just uh, actually are already over time now in the first minute, but so I'm. I wanted to uh, add to Peter's uh, comment. This was very interesting. But if anyone has a question, uh, you should raise it now, or hold your peace, or you can. <laughs> Uh, do this also, of course, later. Uh, feel free to email us and we'd be happy to forward this also to Alan if there's uh, any more questions. And I'm sure we're going to dis uh, continue this discussion in the, our educational group and also in our hospitality group. And uh, this and our other event from earlier, we're, we're going to combine it in our archive for today. So you're going to uh, see this playing on eTurbo News live stream, aviation, and all our various channels uh, for the next. Uh, 24 hours, maybe even a little bit longer because we're going into a weekend. And um, and then uh, it's going to be archived on livestream.travel and hopefully kept alive. Also a fascinating um, I, opportunity maybe to uh, talk about it or uh, the subject altogether at our anniversary on uh, March 5th. So see what we, you know, how we can um, also in, include the subject. Um, I, I found it very educational. And yes, uh, Alan, I'm, I'm familiar with Tampa, beautiful area. I've stayed at the Grand Hyatt at the airport a number of times. I have good friends oh, yeah. in yeah. St. Petersburg. And I think St. Petersburg was actually the beach. You mentioned what beat uh, our Kailua Beach Park here in, in Hawaii a number of times. You know, sometimes we're number one and sometimes you're number one. Uh, so it's it's both good and, uh, and, and it's a beautiful top, top area. Ten is, is. <laughs> top 10 is good, either way. Yes, <laughs> but um, I wanted to thank you and everyone else for joining us today and uh, it has been a, a pleasure um, having you as a guest, Alan, and, and thanks for your input and hopefully we can continue this uh, conversation and um, I give you the last word. Yeah, oh, thank you very much. The, the, um, I think it's an excellent idea uh, professor to to look at adding a indoor quality segment into the you know college of tourism um it is it, it's not going to go away um it, it they need to understand you know it's a whole nother world out there and we've all seen it uh, with with uh buildings being closed down restaurants hospitals schools universities and it it uh, unfortunately, it's not going to go away, uh, go away anytime soon. So I think educating is critical. We are a very heavy proponent, whether it's myself or some of our doctors on staff uh, or building scientists. We would more than happy to to help uh, build a curriculum um, to to um, you know in any college of tourism's uh, unit. Uh, we, we have actually written Dr. Sahay, who is our director of lab services, co-wrote a, a chapter in a college um, uh, manual book that is purchased uh, uh, internationally on indoor quality and what is baseline conditions. So uh, this is in the uh, College of Microbiology of some universities. So those are things that we would love to help out um, I think, again, education is critical, and whatever we can do to help facilitate that, uh, we're, we're here. And, and uh, Jurgen, to your comment, um, if someone can send me information on the WTM um, program, we would be interested in, in joining as an organization. Perfect. Yeah, we would definitely welcome you, and I'd be happy to send it or simply go to WTN.travel and click on join. And uh, we'd be happy to um, get you into the group and then uh, talk to you also in the future with upcoming sessions within some of our more uh, engaged interest groups. Uh, we're actually just forming. I mean, you have to know WTN, um, even though we're one year old in our rebuilding discussion, but as an organization, we only existed since December 1st. So we're brand new, we're building this and people like you are essential uh, for this global discussion. Well, thank you everyone. And um, I can only say aloha from this part of the world. And um, hopefully we see you tomorrow when we're gonna be talking about uh, wedding and honeymoons with our wedding and honeymoon interest group. That'll be another interesting um, session for 
anyone uh, to attend because this world has changed. I mean, some say we now get married in a virtual world. Not all true, but um, more to more. Good night or good morning. Um, 10.30 here in the morning. I know uh, for Snow White in Serbia, as I said, 9.30 at night. And uh, I see others here sending me a message from Bangladesh. It must be after midnight. So it's a small world after all. And uh, next time we're going to visit Alan in Disney. Oh, no, you know, you're a little <laughs> far from Disney, but close enough to get there. <laughs> we'll go. All right. <laughs> Very good. Thank you. Thank you very much. Bye-bye. Thank you very much.